We, we have just started a new series in the last two weeks called We the Church. And um, I won't preach too long this morning. I can see some of you taking, whoa, getting longer. It's okay. It's okay. I won't be nearly as long as Impele last week. It's fine. You see. <laughs> I'm feeling naughty this morning. You guys are all very quiet. So I don't know how to pitch this. Um, the privilege of the church. So there's the privilege of being saved by Jesus. And that's a privilege many identify with and celebrate. But there's another privilege that he pulls us and knits us into a supernatural family, a community called the church that has an identity crisis right now, if I'm being honest. There's an identity crisis in the church. There's an identity crisis in society. There's an identity crisis in gender. But there's an identity crisis right now in the church too. Is the church a preaching center where we just come to, we get our Bible full, um, and we walk away because we got some of the Word? And yes, that's part of it, but it's not all of it. Is the church where we come to that at least we can identify with, and if anyone forced us, well, we're part of that church. The problem is these days, most people are like, um, you're almost like, am I at church? You don't want to tell anyone. Because why? Because there's a whole bunch of ideas that go before that. Trust me, I'm a pastor, I know. Yeah. I, I, the minute I talk to people, there's the temptations. Of, yeah, I do public speaking. Why? Because I know that there's a whole bunch of preconceived ideas about who I am, what I stand for, whether I'm a nice guy, and I, all these ideas. Why? Because of people's church experience. And I can't control the varied church experience reality. But that's not my agenda. I was in Durban last week, and my wife had the privilege of ministering at a ladies' conference. I was preaching at a church in Durban, and on the Saturday, uh, I went with one of my very best friends to a coffee shop that another friend of mine owns, and he walked in first, and I was talking to some people outside, and as I walked around the corner, there was a lady there, and, and I'd known her for a long time. I'd known her so long that when Judah was a little pup, Dan, Ben was about one year old, so she used to look after our kids for us. And so she looked after Ben, and you know, back in the day, the, the powder comes out, Johnson's powder. I don't know if we're allowed to use Johnson's anymore. They got in trouble. <laughs> I don't know. We used it. Johnson's powder on the little guy, and Ben's lacquer lying. And then Judah got out of his bath, and he was like three and a half. He's, he's growing up. She decided he needed the same treatment. So she gave him the Johnson's baby powder treatment, to which he stood there, and he went, Look at it! Look at it! And she put baby powder all over his private, said he didn't want baby powder anymore. We didn't do that anymore. And so when we got home that night, she told us the story and we laughed. But this beautiful lady is, is a lady who has always been single, so that, and she's given herself to the church and, and poured her life into the church. And I walked into this restaurant and she saw me and she just went, just burst into tears. It was quite overwhelming for me, to be brutally honest. It was overwhelming for everyone in the restaurant, to be perfectly honest. But, but for me particularly, I quite didn't know what was going on. And then I remembered the Judah story. And I remembered the nights in our home. And I remembered the times of worship together. And I remembered the times we prayed together. And I remembered the times we asked God for things together. And I remembered, and I said, what's going on? She said, no, it was just, I, I realized I love you guys. I haven't seen you in years. And, and I love you. And I watch online. And you're still a part of the privilege of the church. Outside of the church, that reaction doesn't happen. And I'm not, I'm not trying to celebrate, and please don't cry when I walk into a restaurant. Next. That's not like, a, like, I'd like this response. Please don't. Like, it was very, I was like, whoa. I nearly did the electric slide back out of the restaurant, if I'm being brutally honest. Um, I quite like going undercover. Uh, and, um, 
but, but then I went and preached at church on Sunday morning and, and sitting in row three on the left, I just, I, I was worshiping and I just heard this voice worshiping out of the faithful of God. You never fail, you never fail. But, but that was the lady who when my wife and I were newly married, we started a building project at our little place we'd purchased. And like most building projects, it was going to go three months over long, overdue. So we had nowhere to live. And, and I went to one or two of my mates, and I kind of half suggested, you know, we kind of out of somewhere to live. And they were like, oh, shame, man. That sucks. Airbnb wasn't a thing in those days. And uh, until we went to Abrai, and we met a most beautiful couple named Israel and Kudzai Mklingwana, who we didn't know, but we met them at Abrai. And we hit it off. Like, relationally, like, it was like, and you know what happened by the end of that Abrai? The next week, we were moving in with them for three months. They were newly married. We were newly married. We moved in together. And, and God did so much in my heart in those three months. He taught me things. Things that outside of close proximity with people from, who'd grown up in totally different contexts and totally, that God could never have got to, I don't think, if there wasn't that privilege of proximity. And, 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 and to hear her singing behind me was just overwhelming for me because I'm immediately taken back to the things God did in that home. The generosity, the kindness. And the kids that I've known their whole lives getting bigger and voices getting deeper. And again, the church is not a preaching center. It's not gathered around a cause. There's not this, what are you doing with your life? Well, I have a cause of Christianity. It's not a cause. Lay that down. Lay it down. It's Jesus' grace poured into a community. It's not a self-help exercise with the touch of Jesus. It's not a top-up for your personal journey. In Ephesians 3 verse 10, his intent was that now through the church, not church meetings and not organizations, through the church, the people put together from different cultures, different backgrounds, different nations, from different economic realities. Now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities. Community it's something God does. It's not something secondary to personal salvation. So we preach a series, we the church. Why? Because the church has an identity cross and we don't know who we are. And, and, and we love to, and, and the challenge of the modern way of world is you can access way better preaching today, right now, if you want it and not be here. That's a fact. There's some unbelievable preachers out there who I love to listen to. But, I, but when I hear that man preach or that woman preach, I can't see their family. And they can't see mine. And they can't come when I need prayer. When you fight for things. And they don't know who I've been in the seasons and the things. And, and we are modeled this in a world of individualism. The model of the Trinity is a challenge to everything. In the way of the modern church. We aren't those who gather on a Sunday. We are the called out ones. That's what the church has described it. Those who've been called out of darkness into life. And we've been called out into something. God forming a new community. And maybe you are here this morning. Shucks, I wish I didn't come this Sunday. Because I like just popping in and popping out. And I don't like people knowing my stuff. And I've got stuff. And if they knew my stuff, they wouldn't accept me. You don't know the stuff that's in this room. You have no idea. Welcome to church. A whole bunch of very imperfect people trying to worship a perfect God and go on a journey together. But I'm telling you, healing's in the room around you. And God is challenging us 
out of this individualism, this glass past Christianity, and the challenge is it's a pursuit to more of him. The challenge is he says, how will I know my people? See, gangsters get gang marks all over their bodies, and bankers dress smart, and they walk with their fancy laptops. If you go to London, you see the, and, and it's, it's all these things. There's, a, there's an identification. The identification of church is the love between the brothers and the sisters in the church. I don't often call you brothers and sisters, eh? Good morning, brothers and sisters. We'll do that. We'll, we'll st- I'm wearing a button-up shirt this morning, guys. Someone came to me and said, are we in trouble this morning? I said, why? I says, because you haven't worn a button-up shirt in two years. I said, I'm trying something different. This one's got tricks. Oh! <laughs> Back to the Bible. A new command I give you. Love one another. Not a suggestion. Not a helpful tip. Not something that will just get you to the next phase. A command. As I've loved you, that's the standard. Yo! So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know. Everyone will know. You won't have to tell them. They'll know that you are my disciples. And so it demands something of us. It's, it's love's not a runner. First sign of trouble. Vrr! Sonic the Hedgehog, Aria. And, and I, I don't know how else to tell you. I've been in two churches my whole life. The first one for 20 years. I've said it many times. I was the naughty 14-year-old. I was the 17-year-old who kicked out of youth. I was a 21-year-old known as the dodgy deacon. Long story. And eventually they go, what do we do with this guy? And the challenge when you've grown up in a community, they've seen you grow up through all those stages, to then have a community say, actually, we're going to trust you to lead. is overwhelming. And then this is my second church. So in all those years and 20 years, it takes you beyond your comfort zones. Some people like eating salads. <laughs> Others, soup. Since Cape Town, I come, Cape Town likes soup. Soup. What is what do I call it? Soup. Soup. I'm learning. But it's not this fleeting emotion, and, and it's a challenge. There's no greater love than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. But I want to jump ahead, because I really don't have a lot of time today. So I want to make a quick start. I, I want to tell you, see, my life has been people. I'll tell two stories. One of them I've told before here. A man named Becky Kele joined my life group. At the time, a single young man who didn't have a job. Until he met someone in the life group named Russell McMaster. who just happened to be a financial manager at a business that made cakes. So Becky got a job at this business that made cakes. And I had a 24th year birthday at a restaurant. Don't know why a restaurant. Because to be honest, if we understand some of these things economically right now, it's not accessible to everyone. But at the time, I was young. Didn't know. And so we were at the restaurant, and I kept going, where's Becky? He said he's coming. Where's Becky? And, and to be honest, internally, I'm getting a little bit frustrated. Because we were supposed to be the hopper six. By quarter to eight, Becky wasn't there. So at eight o'clock, he arrives, carrying a massive birthday cake. I said, Becky, how, how did you get here? And I walked here. I said, why, didn't, why did you walk here? No, I didn't have money for a taxi or a lift. I said, Becky, but how much was the cake? Now, he wouldn't tell me. So I asked Russell, because Russell knows how much the cake was. That cake was more than a day's wages. And he chose to walk without money for a meal to bring a cake to my privileged birthday. Welcome to the church where you'll be challenged, you'll be offended, 
Your walls that need to come down will be rattled. And God is committed to you looking like his son. And he'll use a man named Becky Glele who, when he, when he got married, we were already in Cape Town. First invitation. Why? Not because I was a pastor. I wasn't a pastor. And I can tell you stories like I, I, I've prayed. You won't know this young man. His name was Rada Tedder. His son to Graham and Emmy Tedder, who were pregnant with him. And, and at five months, they found out he wouldn't make it past an hour or two after birth. And every doctor said abort, but they felt God that they're going to go the process and spend time with their son. And they had two hours with little Rada Tedder. But I watched a couple journey that thing and we processed. I remember sitting with Graham where the doctors were saying abort. This, and and, and I, I, we, we navigated a journey. And then to hear Emmy tell the story of holding their little one for two hours, feeling his breath. And then praising God for his life. Now you don't have to work all the details out. You don't have to have all the answers. But to privilege of journeying that with people who've gone through that valley and to watch their faith. Why that story? Well, I want to take us to a story in Mark 2. And just a few points. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word of God to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. The problem with this story is I've watched too many epic fails videos where medics try to carry soccer players off fields. You've watched those too? Yeah, have you seen those? I know that's a transition from deep. I'm trying to keep it light. And they try to pick, and then the guy rolls off, and they pick it up, and he's it. Anyway, it's okay. So for me, when this story comes in, I'm thinking I'm the guy, man, I want to get off that mat because I don't trust people carrying. And yet I want to speak about a community that carries. For the next eight minutes, and we'll be done. This story is challenging to me. It's challenging because the very first question asked outside of Eden, the very first question asked outside of the presence of God was, am I my brother's keeper? The very first thing that happens outside of Garden of Eden and the fullness of God's presence where we sent out into the world in the area and the space in which we live, the very first challenge is, am I my brother's keeper? And the problem is, sometimes in this life, the first time we are prepared to carry our brothers is once they've passed away and we are pallbearers at their funeral. And I'm telling you, it's too late. It's too late. It's too late. The gospel challenges us. There's, there's a higher standard in this life. There's a journey to moving beyond just being part of a crowd, getting the Jesus show. I'm challenged by the image of this full house, but the guy who needs Jesus the most can't get in. Please don't let that be the church, God. That our relational groups are too tight. That we can't fit another person around the table. That my heart can't read. I've got five people. I phone. That's it. I would challenge you that the gospel challenges you. So that is the tragedy of the story. But the wonder of the story is this. There's a man. His body is physically broken. The challenge is all around us. There are people who are physically broken, who are emotionally broken, who are relationally broken. And they need to be carried. And the problem is 
that sometimes in the church too, but we just don't know it because no one will express. You can't hide a physical disability most of the time. But you can other disabilities and brokennesses. You can hide it for years. You can hide it from your spouse. You can hide it from your family. You can try hide it. Eventually, though, it will take its toll, and eventually brokenness will be exposed. So my first encouragement is this. Are you prepared to lie on the mat? Who do you identify with in the story? Because if you're not prepared to lie on the mat, if you're not prepared to stay on the mat, you're not prepared to be carried by other imperfect people. See, the challenge of this whole story is most of the time, most of us don't want to stay on the mat. We don't know what it is to ask for help. Asking for help is a sign of weakness, isn't it? And you've got these macho men and they're flying around um, in fancy jets and they've got ladies all, and that's the image of masculinity. Rubbish! Rubbish. No, there's a cry for help that has to be on our lips. I, I, I've told this story before, but I've had the privilege of doing life-saving. I know, don't go there. Just don't even think. You don't want me saving you. I know. But, but in Durban, with the warm water, the worst thing is you see these people floating out next to the pier in the rip. They're drowning. They just don't know it yet. And you know what they wouldn't do most of the time? Shout for help. The last minute, the last second before they go under the water, there's this, help! And it's the same in life, and it's the same in marriage, and I'm tired of marriages in the church. Well, we're done. I'm like, what? 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 Where? That's like, no, where's all the bases? The Bible speaks about running. Where's the firm foundation upon which we stand? Where's the cry for help? We need help. It's the starting point. It's where humility kicks in. It allows the grace of God to start to flow. Stay on the mat. Get on the mat. Now, there's got to be a journey beyond the mat. We don't know what happened with this guy, but I'd love to think that in the next story, if there was another mat story and another big moment where someone had to be lowered to Jesus, he's one of the guys who's been working out and he can lower him to Jesus. That's got to be the journey. If we're always on the mat, we're not growing up in God and allowing his grace to heal us. I'm not saying stay on the mat for the rest of your life. I'm saying there's times and moments where it's good to be on the mat. And here's the challenge of the story. It doesn't say... He needed to get to Jesus, so he found the four biggest dudes in the crowd so that they didn't drop him. See, the challenges in, in the world, there's this Pareto principle, it's the 80-20 rule, it's the law of the vital few that 80% that of a company's profits will come from 20% of its customers. Maybe that's language most of you understand. Or 80% of a company's complaints will come from 20% of its customers. Or 80% of a company's profits will come from 20% of the time of its staff spend. There's this, this one to four, one carrying the four, 20% carrying the 80%. And yet when I come to this picture, four guys lower one guy down. And so we've got to start changing the mindset of the church that it's the job of the pastor guy, that guy up there who's talking now. It's his job to heal every story in the church. Rubbish. There are far better marriage counselors in this church than me. Honestly. There are people who've walked journeys. There are couples walking journeys out of addiction. There are people in this church far better equipped than I am to walk with them and show them Jesus. Far better. There are people going through things and, and navigating difference, difficulties with children whose health. I'm saying there are people in our community who are that. Let me put you together with them. But you need four to lower you down. One person on the end, and that's a mess. 
doesn't matter how big and strong and full of faith they are. I think there's a reason there's four. Even three is a problem. So now don't go find four friends. That's, I don't think that's the agenda. It's like, I need four. I've only got three. I'm in trouble. It's <laughs> not what I'm saying. I'm presenting a change of mindset that maybe you kick out because you think, well, I'm automatically part of the 20 because I don't have the mic. And that's the complete opposite of what the story is saying. But as I would present that, I also understand that there's this consumerism culture in our world that has crept and worked into the church where I'm a consumer, I come to consume. Oh, the chairs are comfy, the coffee's good, I like, I can consume here until what I'm consuming doesn't meet my needs anymore. No, there's a growing up the Bible speaks about as well, where we used to be infants, and we used to be fed, and we used to not be able to do anything for ourselves. Remember those days? No, you don't, because everyone did it for you. You didn't even remember for yourself. And then you grew up, but you've got to grow up into a place where you become a family with your own kids. So Martin's sitting here, and if, if his son hadn't stepped up and risen up to become a man and to go on journeys and trust God in their journeys, there'd be a disappointment, I'll be honest, about, shucks, I need them to be a man. Otherwise, it's families within families, and we just, we're not growing up. No, there's got to be a rising up and a growing up, and, and of sons becoming fathers, and of infants becoming sons. It's called maturity, and we've got to call the church to maturity. Why? So that one day, one day when someone needs to get to Jesus, we can help them. So here's the challenge of carrying people to Jesus. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's costly. Sometimes they don't want to go. But, but it's an amazing thing as we navigate this story. It says this powerful truth. When Jesus saw their faith, who the people in the room? No. The worship leader behind the guitar? No. The guy on the mat? No. The faith of the four lowering him down to Jesus. Again, it's not about who's the strongest. The problem is you think, hey, I've got financial problems. Let me find a, 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 a financially wealthy billionaire. Probably not. Go to someone who can teach you the Bible because the Bible has over 2,000 scriptures about healthy finances and who can encourage you and pray with you. If you're needing order in life, the Bible is order in life. You need someone with faith who goes, actually, what you want me to do is give you everything, but let me do something greater. I've got faith. Let me put my faith and pour it into your story. Pour it in. You need faith in other challenges. You're sitting here today and you're going, but I've got friends and they're out in the world and, they, and I'm going, awesome. That's called the mission field. Your life should impact them to show Jesus. That's your mission but you need some people that you're on mission with. So when the mission gets tough, they can stand with you. Why? Because you need people of faith. Now the challenge, I've got some glorious mates who I've loved. I've walked with 30 years. And if I was in trouble, they'd say, come for a beer. And I don't mind a beer, but that's not what I need. I need Jesus. And I need someone who's going to take me to Jesus. I need someone who's going to take me from my smallness, my self-pity, my self-justification, my self-obsession and say, you need to get out the center so that Jesus can get in the center so that heavenly peace can come back into your life. You need those people. And yeah, you've got to do an honest assessment. Do you have those people? Because if you don't, let me tell you about life groups where you can meet once a week and God's going to put you with people you would never have probably chosen yourself. (laughs) Welcome to the church. It's like people go, I want a life group. Can I have like 25 to 28-year-olds Young professionals, please, with honors degrees. Sure, no problem, sir. Snacks? What preference snacks? No, that's not what it is. God chose 12 disciples, tax collectors, zealots. He put them together and said, let's go on a journey, boys. Whoop. A, a, mark, a, a laboratory for chaos. 
said, let's go on a journey. Why? Because Jesus was at the front. So God needs to do that with all of us. So I'm grateful for Becky, who opened up my heart. See, I thought I was a generous man until I understood Becky had walked five kilometers holding a cake. I thought I was a patient man until I understood I was impatient from being late for my birthday party. So I don't know who gets blessed the most here. The paralyzed guy who gets healed? Or the guys who load him down going, look what Jesus did. I don't know. I just know I want Jesus. And whether I'm on the mat or I'm standing up to try lower someone down in my lack of strength myself, Jesus is able. And whether I'm being brought to Jesus because I'm telling you, I've been the pastor for 10 years, but there's been times. Two years ago, we went through absolute chaos as a family. And every Sunday, I still had a job to do. And I'm not lying. I'm a man of faith. I believe God. But there were days where I struggled for, for faith, if I'm being honest. I've got a while. We had a WhatsApp group with three couples we've walked with for a long time. And we would, something would go down that was happening in our family. I'd just have to SMS. A WhatsApp. No one knows what an SMS anymore. I'd have to WhatsApp and say, please pray. I couldn't explain what was going on. It wasn't sin. It wasn't some broken sin behind the story. It wasn't a marriage issue, so don't let your mind. We had an issue with one of our kids that got beyond us. But I'm telling you, that WhatsApp group saved my life. Some of the friends here who stood with us, who we were able to share the journey with because we were protecting one of our sons, they saved our lives. Who's going to save yours? Because if you think it's a man with a microphone, I'm telling you, it's too small a group. But I want to also encourage you that there's a sowing into community that is essential to a reaping in community. And I would challenge you. It doesn't just happen. Are you prepared to sow time? Because I know some of you are really frustrated. We've gone over an hour and ten minutes for the service. Are you prepared to sow time into relationships? Are you prepared to sow energy? Are you prepared to share your resources? Because when I read Acts 2 and the church got planted full of fire, that's what it looked like. And because the world's moved on into different cultures and ways, the Bible doesn't let me move on. The Bible keeps pulling me back. Will I pray for these families? Will I keep praying for this young lady so that she gets totally healed? If you're a prayer in this room, I ask you, pray for her by name. Bless her that muscular dystrophy would be in her past and not her future. No limiter over her life at all. Why? Because God put us in something called the church. And we aren't going to have an identity crisis about that. We're going to fight. We're going to celebrate highs together, like babies and, 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 and God's grace. We're going to celebrate that. I, I went away last weekend. And then I get a photo from my mate Bully who's driven across to watch my boy play rugby. You know what that does? Just someone, when your dad's not there, someone shouting your name. You know what that does for a young man? Last night, Josh and Minion, Josh McGaw and Minion got engaged. If you know them, Josh is one of our youth leaders. You know what it does for my heart with a son of 14 years old who my voice is becoming quieter? But he's watching Josh. Love, honor, respect. 
serve, trust. I'm going, thank you, God, for the church. Can we stand this morning? I realize it's been a little longer and, and God is speaking and challenging us. You're called to be more than a bystander, a consumer of the gospel. Every one of you. Silence that thought that right now says, I don't have anything to give. Don't give me a microphone. It's not about a microphone. Some of you got gifts to hospitality, to have people in your home. And you're called to make cakes for people. I love cakes. <laughs> Just threw that out there. But, but there are people who are brilliant in understanding system. There's young people in the room or actuaries and others who are accountants and others. You, you can help people. There's people in the room who have been fathered well and there's people in the room who haven't and you've got to share what it looks like to be loved securely. Then we are the church. Then we are the church. Not because church is on the board. Actually, it's not even on the board. It's just life changes. But because Jesus is at the center. Can we close our eyes just for a second? God, I pray this morning through that simple image of a broken man being lowered down by four broken men to a perfect king. I pray that would challenge us. I pray those who've settled for isolation, that there would be a call to more. I pray those that are counting the cost of community and, oh, I don't want people in my life because people have got issues. I pray, God, you would challenge us of what it is to be a son and daughter of the living God. More than just an isolated journey to heaven one day with a pass into eternity. But a people, a sign and a wonder to a watching world where the walls of division and brokenness come down. Where the, the pains of privilege and preference come down where the dividing lines disappear, where my heart that wants to self-protect is open again to you, God, and to those that you love, and to your mission and your mandate again. Come, Jesus, build your church. Come, Jesus, build your church. I pray for the lonely in this room. Actually, I want you to do something in faith. Can eyes be closed right now? If you're saying, actually, I need friends. I need people. You've got God, but I need people in my corner. I want you to raise your hands right now if you're saying, actually, God, I'd love a friend. I'd love people to walk with. Show me what that looks like. Help me in that journey. Can you raise your hands? There's already people raising their hands, but can you raise your hands? There's lots of hands. Come, Spirit of God, and build your church, I pray. Your word says you put the lonely into families. I pray right now, I thank you for this response of faith by raising a hand and courage. I pray, praise, place the lonely into families now and build your church. I speak life into relationships, courage to stand up again where you've been disappointed. Take your disappointment to Jesus and trust him again of what he will build. And allow Jesus to knit you into his story. We love you, God. We give you praise, honor, and glory.